0: That said, one more time, everybody agree with that said, amen, Amen. we're in Ephesians chapter three, we back in it, we're going to go from verses seven to 13, going through a series on the identity of the Christian, who am I, the identity of the people of God, Um, we're going to read, then we'll lay out some things from this passage, if you didn't say amen, Amen. Verse 7. It says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though, I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light with confidence through our faith in Him. So, I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. I, 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 this is this is a a mighty, beautiful, beautiful passage. Um, this is a mighty, mighty beautiful passage. If you have a, um, a seat next to you that's empty, if you could just raise your hand. A couple of people are looking for seats. Um, this passage reminds me, now, now I'm going to take some of y'all back, some of y'all don't get scared, you know what I'm saying? But um, it was a song, you know, I, I, like I told them at the first service, I like vocalists that sing. I, I don't like auto-tuned vocalists that can only sing, you know, with that, the Lord. now I'm going to say zap, you know, did their thing in the 80s with that. And, but um, I just went over everybody's head under a certain, just zap. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. See, auto-tune ain't nothing new, nah. But anyway. Um, but I like vocalists. I, I, you know, I, I sing just a twinge, and I like vocalists. One of one of my favorite that I used to like to hear was Lufa. You know, not not Luther, Lufa. You know what I'm saying? Lufa Vandross. And um, <laughs> and and one of my favorite songs that they, he used to sing was with Cheryl Lynn. And 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 he say, If this world were mine, I would place at your feet. <laughs> 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 that was my Jizzam, man and, and what, what was interesting about that song is man they just talking to each other about about their desire based on if i was if i had the universe in my hands if this world was mine i'd do this for you i mean that's crazy i'd like to say you know what i'm saying if this world were mine what i'd do for you right my sweetheart right but but what's interesting is all of us dream about what it'd be like to be sovereign. Um, all of us, if, if if it were up to us, everything in our lives would be created in our image. Um, I, I, I I think I'm by myself right now because y'all quiet. But but I know you have. If I were a millionaire, what I would do with what type of car I would get. You know what I'm saying. You know, I get, you know, you're talking about you get the Bentley with the candy paint on it and the tw- and the 27s with the rag top. Y'all don't know about no ragtop With the chrome on the side and the, you know, all of us have an image of what we would do, what what my life would be like. I could sleep in more often. I mean, all of us would have, amen. I saw some people raise their hands. You know what I'm saying? Like, hallelujah, God, I receive it. That's not what the sermon's about. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> I'm just messing with y'all. I'm just messing with y'all, but um, and so and so, but 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 but, but I I think that what happens though is subtly, subtly, those th- those those people, places, and things in our life, um, we 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 kind of try to make that happen where we believe we have the power to make that happen, and what happens is is we lose alignment with what God wants us to be like and what our purpose is. And one of, the, one of the most popular places where we would like to see our image and our desires and is in the local community called the church. And, uh, uh, um, most all of us want, ha, have a particular picture of what it would look like for the church to be what we want it to be. Um, but, but, but Paul begins to walk through something much larger than us, something much more massive than us, In relation to purpose is our purpose is not based on our own image, but it's based on Christ's image. And in light of that image, God has specific purposes and precepts in mind that point us to things that are pertinent to his purpose versus our pursuits and practices. And so so here in this text, Paul begins to walk through the purpose of the church, say the purpose of the church. Yeah, this is, this is important because he begins walking through and he uniquely connects this purpose to every believer's purpose, both individually and corporately. And it should shape us in many areas and it should shatter other areas of our lives. And so since this world isn't ours, but and, and since this church isn't ours or any church isn't ours, it, it, it's God's and therefore He's the one who is able to make the church what he wants it to be. And so in light of that, the purpose of the church, we come to this text and, and, and Paul is diving into the mystery of the gospel revealed. And then what the gospel looks like revealed a very functionally in what the church looks like. But he goes and he seems like he's making a digression, but he's actually potently moving forward. So in verse seven, we come to our first first point the source of our purpose, <coughs> the source of our purpose. Verse 7, it says, of this gospel, he's, he's, he's explaining something. He says, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. That's beautiful. I was ma- According to this gospel, I was made a minister according uh, to God's grace. In other words, he understood that his calling, This is beautiful. He understood that his calling was sourced in God calling him, not him calling himself. In other words, it it, it was something that he was a recipient of. It wasn't something that he went and got. Now, if you remember back to Acts chapter 9, Paul, when he trusted Christ, simultaneously got his call to salvation as well as his call to ministry. And, and, and for him, his call to salvation was inseparable from what God had called him to do. And so when we look at this passage, he says, this was the he said, first off, uh, I didn't call myself number one, I was made a minister or servant. But he said, now this is the way it happened, though. It was according to the gift of God's grace. Yeah. Now, now, now the way it happened was it was given to me without my help and without me having potential. Did, see, see, y'all know how God works. God is strange because God goes after people without potential. See, if you got too much potential, you know, you can do it on your own. But when you ain't got no potential, God like, see, he knows the person that doesn't have potential, if he drafts them, he gives them potential, but not only the potential to have potential, but to p- the, the, the potential to actually practice his purpose. And so here in this passage, he says, but but if you look back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift of God. So you see unmarried favor and you see the gift. And so one of the things that we need to recognize as we're whatever, and this is not just for people that are called to full-time vocational ministry. This also applies to every single believer. We're looking for a specific vocational calling. Let Let me explain that. Your purpose is wrapped up in everything in your life and how you represent God in it. Purpose isn't a destination. It is a function of where you were since you've been saved. So, listen, purpose doesn't begin when you get to something. I'm getting educated to get to the point where I'm able to. That's not your purpose. See, see, that's, that's, that's that's an expression of purpose under the umbrella of God's bigger purpose. So are y'all struggling with me? And 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 so what's important for us to understand is purpose, purpose doesn't begin at some esoteric future point. It begins at salvation and is worked out functionally in our everyday lives. And it's done by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. But then he says, which was given to me by the working of his power. I like that. Because right here, you know what I'm saying, he's saying that this is, in other words, this was done supernaturally. This this, this wasn't done by my potential. This wasn't done merely by my gifting. This wasn't done by God looking at me and seeing something in my future. He created that future that didn't exist by supernaturally interrupting me. Now, what's powerful about Paul is Paul, based on verse 8, he says, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, the grace was given to preach um, to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches. Of Christ, So Paul totally understood that how jacked up he was in relation to his functional disobedience to um, God's mission through the church by persecuting Christians in, in Acts chapter 8. And so when God saved him, he knew it took supernatural work to change how he was. Because in in or, because the gift of God's grace points to the depth of directionlessness and and really rejection of, of, of how far off he was he it he knew that in order for him to be where he was God had to change him in other words he understands that the central part of purpose is being a Christian involves authentic change real change, not superficial change. He knew it didn't come by classical conditioning. He knew it didn't come um, by by, by some esoteric philosophy. He knew that it came by him, his direction, not just his direction, but his life being totally changed by the beautiful and and glorious gospel. So he understands the source of his purpose. But not only does he understand the source of his purpose, number two, he has clarity of purpose, clarity of purpose. Right here in verse 8, uh, It says, to me, though, I am the least, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I like that. uh, so, So he has clarity of what God wants him to do. So as he was called, God graced him with a clear picture of what it looked like to actually practice what he was called to do. That means that his life was marked by purpose, but in his being marked by purpose, it had clarity of purpose. He said, "One of the things that I'm called to do is explain the unsearchable riches of Christ." Unsearchable here means inscrutable, incomprehensible of God's ways, impossible to understand. You got see, you know you're called when God calls you to do something that doesn't make sense to do and takes him to do it. He's about to go somewhere Talk to people that don't know anything about Jesus, Gentiles. He's about to explain to them about, about all of this information. He's about to talk to them about the cross and, and, and blood sacrifice. He's about to talk to them about the need for repentance and salvation being by faith, and then talking about Christ being raised up from the dead. I mean, I mean, you gotta understand, put yourself in that place. Listen, this didn't make sense to have a calling to be and do that. But the thing that made sense was God's calling and the fact that it takes God to do what he called him to do. And and, 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 and and so he he wanted to go out and make sure that he preached the unsearchable riches of Christ because his calling took God to do. And in our lives, in every single area of our life, whatever God is nurturing based on the Bible, based, I'm gonna say that two more times based on the bible number 3 based on the bible not just the mere feeling i feel called whenever you feel called search the scriptures to connect that feeling to some text because you can feel because 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 if you feel calling doesn't merely come from feeling it can be affirmed through feeling but, but I, I just feel like, like you'll feel this and you'll feel that. The wind blows left, the wind blows right. We feel a whole bunch of things. But the question is, what has God concretely directed us to do as his people? And so Paul has clarity of that to proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ. And it says, he says, and, and in verse 9 it says, And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things. To bring light means uh, to, to make known in reference to someone's inner life that transcends matters of humanity. And he says these things were created in God, uh, 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 in God who created all things. Now, so th- there is a, there is an unbelievable amount of confidence that Paul had in God and the purpose that he placed on him. When purpose isn't clear, you become these things. If you're not clear on your purpose, these are the things that, 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 that kind of mark you idleness, laziness, aimlessness, nosiness. Since you ain't got nothing to do, you just everywhere in somebody else's beeswax, we used to call it. A, a Scattered, everywhere but nowhere, and draining. On the other hand, if your purpose is clear, if it's clear, you have confidence. You you are centered. That means there's a maturity, a robustness about your subtleness in God. (laughs) You're faithful. You're faithful. And you're also consistent in the midst of adversity. See, if you know where where God wants you to be, mess don't shake you up. See, when you're when, when when you're walking with God and a storm comes, and see, if you know that you don't get confused about what you're supposed to be doing. Why? Because many times what God brings your way is a confirmation of your calling, not a deterrent from it. If you're easily uprooted, that's not a clarity of purpose. And you're prayerful, but guess what you're also hopeful? Hopeful. If you're not a, if if you if you when when you don't have, remember what hope is. Hope is a visionary picture of a preferred future. If God has given you that, when something happens, when something happens, you say, I, 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 I know this is happening, I know things is things temporarily look unclear. But from a biblical standpoint, God has zoomed me in on his picture. And so this shouldn't deter me from his picture. This should make me uh, 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 get my binoculars ready for his picture. Because many times, God used what you go through uh, to help you to look more clearly. So that Because sometimes suffering just shatters what's around you so that you can be shaped and you can look forward to what he's called you to do. But many of us get confused and frustrated and off, and off edge because a little something, something happened. But if you are maturing and if you're growing, and I'm, I'm not talking about vocational purpose, I'm talking about comprehensive christian purpose then you see things a little bit differently (laughs) and then it makes you he said i know this is happening to me god but you called me here god i know this is happening to me god But I remember how you showed me in my, I'm going to look back at my journal because I remember the verse that you were showing me in my journal, and I remember you were encouraging me that day when I was asking for direction and I was unclear, I was scattered, I got in that doggone Bible and you showed up with your great Holy Ghost, gave me clarity. Let me look back at that. Matter of fact, let me get in the, look, I need clarity of purpose. I need to remain clear in that because I don't want to let this stuff destroy my look at you. See, that's a good look. (laughs) When when, when you're clear on it, there's a a robustness and a maturity about you as a Christian that can't be shaken. That's a part of growing up. A part of growing up as a Christian is to be rooted and grounded. Last point, but not least and this is where he gets into the specific purpose of the church, is the central role of our purpose. The central role of our purpose. Verse 10, he says, so that, stop, right? He, basically, now he's giving you a, a the, the purpose, whatever comes after he's going to, this is a purpose clause, to show you the purpose of whatever comes behind this. Now, now he says, so that, purpose, He says, through the church. Through here means conduit for something, the pipeline for something. And so that means whatever comes through it is a means of bringing something somewhere, to some place, to someone, or to something. So he says, so that through the church. Let's stop there. Because, see, we can go on and talk about the purpose of the church, but you have to know what a church is to understand what the purpose of it is. So right now we're going to spend some time on defining what is a church. Say, what is a church? Yeah, what in the world is a church? And I think all of us because be, be, have all of our dreams of what we want a church to look like. But let's look at what the Bible says church is. Now, let's let, before we look at what the Bible says in that, let's look at what are some of our problematic issues with embracing and understanding what the Bible has. The, first, uh, the Bible says about that, first off, our understanding of church is usually very individualistic. Very, very individualistic. What do I mean by that? I am the church, therefore I don't need others. I use others as a means for what is convenient for me. So when we look at the church, we look at the church from a consumeristic standpoint. As long as, you, you, as long as things are like I want it and set up on my terms, I'm down. However, when the church starts I'm going to create another organization that does what the church doesn't do, and I'm a Christian, so that makes it God doing it. So I'm going to create something else outside of what God has created because I'm a better creator than God. Event-oriented is another problem. We have, we, we, we. I go, to a, I go to church as a place. The church only exists when we come to, to come into a building to do things that are formal spiritual things. Once we're done, I have left the church and it doesn't exist until we come together again. So again, those are some of the, the misnomers that we have. Now let's look at some of the, we're going to look at the functions of the church, the structures and, 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 and sacraments of the church. And then we're going to look at the forms that the church take. Y'all still with me? All right, functions of the church. Number one is love. Love. No greater love than this, than you lay down your life for your friends. Love love is a central function of the church. Love in all of its beautiful facets of what the Bible teaches us that love is. Not only love, but also worship. Worship, we're lovers and we're worshipers. Worship worship is both a noun and a verb, both. You can't have one without the other. You can't say you're a worshiper, but verbally it doesn't happen. So worship based on John chapter 4 says, uh, Jesus says, the true worshippers, a noun of God will worship him in what? spirit and in truth so worship there is not merely a verb but it's the identity of those who've been transformed by the gospel so when a person becomes a believer in Christ they automatically become a worshiper therefore through the sanctification process God is sanctifying us to worship less of other stuff and worship God the most and centrally and it's also verbal because you gotta you gotta live it out and you gotta and it should be expressed in gatherings with other Christians Amen. I like the way David says, when I get to the congregation of the people, I'm going to act a fool. That's what the text said. He said, when, the, when I come together with the saints, I'm going to wild out under the Holy Ghost. You know what I'm saying? So 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 it's, it's, so it's all of those things. But when we get to the worship series, I explain all that. Anyway, number three, community. The church is a community. The church, that, that, that means that we're not a cult, but we're a community. That doesn't mean we're together all the time. That's not what it means. But what community does mean is that we walk through the one another's, love one another, exhort one another, uh, uh, spur one another along to love and good deeds, The one practicing the one another's, uh, 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 um, pray for one another, love one another. Those are the acts of community. Then you got service. We're marked by service. We're marked by service. Titus chapter 3 verse 1 talks about us serving our city. First Peter chapter four tells us to in, to, to in, uh, employ your gift in serving one another. So service of the church is both is both for God's people. Like Second Peter chapter one says, um, express brotherly kindness or brotherly love among other believers. That's through service. But then also it says after that, love expressed to the to the world in general. So so is service. But then these are some other things that that, that a church got a, a church gotta have this. preaching, G- preaching, uh, um, and it could be s- solemn and it could be great yelling, amen. It could be hooping and hollering too, amen, amen. Amen. I don't want us to you know act all you know it can be that. So don't just check out on some, uh, is it in the text preaching. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He said he says I he said I adjure you uh, before God and his angels to preach the word in season and out of season, retort and exhort with great patience and instruction. Oh, my goodness. So patiently preach. That means sometimes it takes time for the preaching to hit folk. Amen. But then also teach through your preaching. Don't just have it be aimless hollering or aimless information, but it must instruct. So it's both. That's what makes a church a church. Also discipling. Everybody, though. Everybody. Every believer is responsible for discipling. Also Teaching equipping in conformity to the image of Christ. And then also missions and evangelism. Missions and evangelism locally, nationally, and internationally. And it's not just for someone we send to a mission field. It's the identity of the entire community of God based on Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. And then evangelism. Paul tells Timothy in verse 7 of 2 uh, Timothy chapter four, he says, "Do the work of an evangelist." So, in other words, engage people with the truth of the gospel. Now, let's look at structure, structure, and sacraments. This, this is just so we can get our heads wrapped around this idea of of, of the church, right? So, so that we can, because we're still on through the church. Okay. Now, <clears throat> st- structure and sacraments. Now, I know some of y'all, when I say the word structure, you shut down your whole system. Tsh- your entire just mechanism just shut down because you don't like anything that holds you in place to anything, right? I'm just, you know, I just I just wake up, brush my teeth, and just go on with my day like structureless. But what's beautiful about God is he's both artsy and structural. That's powerful to me. In other words, he he's artsy in the sense that he can create mountains and clouds hover over top of them us look at it and worship him. That's art. You know what I'm saying, that, 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 that's, that's art. Uh, he, he can make an eclipse in the sky and make the eclipse, sometimes you can look at and then sometimes you can't look at, but when the one you can look at, even though light is being uh, 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 eclipsed, it still looks nice. Oh my God. I don't ever know if you've ever been out the city where it's no city lights, you know what I'm saying? And it's just dark and all you hear is crickets and raccoons, you know what I'm saying? And you look all around you, and you look in the in the midst of the sky, and when you look up at the sky, you see the stars, and you see it looks dark, but something about it draws you artistically in, where you're not just appreciating creation, but you're, crea- you're appreciating the creator. That's artsy. However, God is also structural. Structural meaning that he, if he was just artsy, he'd have just created the stuff, but it wouldn't have had any organization. Say, say a mountain like an avatar was just suspended in midair. I mean, what, would that, what if you stood on a mountain and it just crumbled under you? That's, it looked good, but it, didn't, it wasn't organized, right? What if water just went where it wanted to go, just everywhere? No gravity, you know what I'm saying? Water just hit you. Whoa, watch out for the water right there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just, I mean so, God, so God is beautiful in that by nature he's an artist and beautiful but also he's structural. He puts stuff in order because he's a God of order. So that's why we talk about structure because that's his nature. And so, and so structure meaning there should be pastors. There should be deacons. There should be baptism. There should be communion. There should be a clear congregation. What do I mean by that? It should not just be who, who comes together. It should be who specifically redeemed and in, in, in on the squad to get something done. To get done what? I'll tell you to get done what? To get done love, service, community, mission, evangelism, uh, 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 conformity to the image of Christ, discipleship, teaching, and equipping. Who's on board for that? Not on board to say, I like what goes on. See, there has to be a clear congregation. That means that in order to be a clear congregation, there has to be clear commitment so that we can know who's Voltroning with us. See, when you know who Voltroning with us, then you know who to call who to who to so we can get it done. You know what I'm saying? So, you know what I'm saying? So, so so again, these things are in place for that. Also, baptism, communion, clear congregation, and discipline. Discipline is an act of love by which a person is called to repentance and changed by the community applying every facet of what it means to graciously love someone. Amen, church and walls. Then define, let's define this, this beautiful thing called the church. A, 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 a ragtag group of misfits call us. Let's def- how you define us, right? Like God ain't definable. Like I, When I got into theology class, our first paper was on defining God. It took me five hours to start writing. You know what I'm saying? Define God. And he said, no, that's not a good one. So by the time I got finished. But define, the church defined. <laughs> We're still on through the church. The church is the visible and invisible community of those who have been adopted into God's eternal family. By grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone, and who function as Jesus' eternal representatives to earth until he returns. Let me say that again. The church, the church is the visible and invisible community of those who have been adopted into God's eternal family by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone, and who functions as Jesus' eternal representatives to earth until he returns. Let's look at forms real quick. We're moving. Forms. The, the church can take multiple forms, okay? This is very, very important for us to understand. So that means we don't argue about forms. We contend for function. Function is all of those other things I just said. Forms are malleable as long as they don't violate the Bible. Okay, so come as you come as you are. Can can doesn't just mean come as you are in a certain sense. You know what I'm saying? Unless somebody's a non-believer and they're trying to get up in, but that means that you know, if 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 your gear is uh, has promiscuosity, you know what I'm saying? Um, then. That's not that's not the come as you are as we're talking about in scripture. But form. The church can take on multiple forms, <clears throat> but must have unity and function. That means meeting places of the church can be in homes, cathedrals, a community centers, can be underground church, can be persecuted church. We I even talked about in the first gathering. We we know churches that meet in clubs and bars. Some of y'all are like, oh, the devil is a liar. <laughs> he he's a liar. You know what I'm saying? But um but but like but like again, like say, but 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 the actually the question is, how are they functioning? How are they functioning? So again, we don't argue if somebody has a different function uh, ecclesiologically than us. Let's not get in an argument with them about function. Amen. 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 Don't don't get in the. Well, they don't they don't do it like we do it at. That's stop it. Stop it. Are they functioning based on the scriptures? So, therefore, if they functionally have a different, if they, if, they, if, if they have a form of difference, well, see, the preacher had on this this bishop garb and it came down, so what? I mean, so what? Like, like, like you know, people don't. some people don't like it here because we dress down, so what? You know what I'm saying? And cats still got their hats on, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I remember one time some people came to the gathering, one time, one time I remember. It wasn't one time. It was a bunch of times, actually. <laughs> and um said, come here, Pastor. I got to talk to you about something. Great message, great message. Amen. Uh, music, bless the Lord. Amen. Come closer. You got earrings. You 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 got. You know, and, and, and know what I did while she's talking to me? Yes, mother. Yes, mother. Guess what I didn't do? Get into an argument with her. Because the Bible says in First Timothy chapter five, verse two, do not rebuke an older woman sharply, but appeal to her as a son to a mother. So guess what I did? I let her say her piece, and guess what I did? I hugged her on her beautiful neck and gave her a kiss right on the cheek and said, would love to see you again, Mom. God bless you. But I didn't get into a functional battle with her. Why? Because her issues weren't with function. Everything functionally, she said, was cool. But the stuff that was off for her was some form stuff, which we're we're, we're entitled to preferences, but we don't make our preferences central. That's, that's I'm just telling you, if you want to come here, we're not going to make the church in your image. There's only one person's image that is worthy of us being chiseling into, and his name is mighty Yeshua Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so the image of Christ is who we want to see all of us chiseled into that particular image, Romans 8.29. We're going to move on. Manifold wisdom. Manifold, he says. That we, we're supposed to so that the so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. I like this manifold means uh, to be diversified varied many sided it means taking on multiple forms without keeping the central function so, so manifold wisdom of God. Sophia is the Greek word there for wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge, the ability to take information and skillfully execute it through obedience. That's what it means. So, 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 so what he's saying is the church is supposed to utilize God's truth in a multiplicity of facets, and, and, and it has varying functions and various impacting forms and functions, um, but it all supposed to point to obedience to the Lord. Form of the forms that it takes and functions is the word of God. Like Proverbs is a multifaceted book. I mean, you got a book that talks about sex, adultery, uh, what a good woman looks like, what a good man looks like, how to use your lips. I mean, that's multi. That's manifold wisdom. That's a lot. In one book, one genre talks about a multiplicity of subjects. Then you got the gospel based on First Corinthians chapter one verses twenty through chapter two verse seven. The gospel is God's manifold wisdom. We see the self counsel of God in, in uh, Luke chapter eleven, verse forty nine. That 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 God's self counsel is manifold. It's it's massive. I like that that God counsels himself. That nobody can like put God on the couch and say, "Tell me all about it. Tell me t- tell me where it all began." Like. You have time? You know what I'm saying? Um, but God counsels himself because he's self-sufficient. Yeah, yeah. He's so self-sufficient, he works through stuff on his own. But it doesn't make him more of anything because he's everything he's ever going to be. Catch that on the way home. So, <laughs> but it says the manifold wisdom is to be expressed to a particular group of people. Now, this is not being missionaries here. This is not missional here per se. It's the expression of seeing Christians use the gospel skillfully in their practice of their life and their character and mission, but it, it it impacts these groups of people interestingly. It says it says it says that guess what? This manifold wisdom is supposed to be made known to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places, so supernatural beings. So that means angels and demons watch the church. Angels and demons watch the church now. Angels watched the church because they rocked. They rocked off of us. A raggedy, ragtag group of people that got saved and different and walking with God blows their mind. Because they remember before the fall and what it was like. So they was like, oh, man, it's going to be, the oh, look, Adam, no, 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 no. Adam messed, oh, Adam, Adam, Adam. So they were wondering. How God was gonna do what he had decreed before the foundations of the world. Then the children of Israel got to wilding. He was like, oh, oh my goodness, let's get in. Then he said, then they got a chance to cut some people. They said, Good, I'm glad I get to get in on this. And they get the dude standing 20 stories up, get to wipe out people and everything. But then all of these promises, see, y'all don't even know that's in the Bible. Dang, God had somebody wipe out people with a sword that was invisible, yet it visibly cut them. Dang, right? Crazy, right? So they went through, they went through redemptive history watching God do stuff watching man act a fool and angels uh, wondered how was god going to do his work among people powerful so god uses the lesser being to teach the uh, teach teach the, the the larger being an angel what god is like based on being submissive to the manifold wisdom of god then demons right you know they ain't you know they going wild out too because it says all rulers and authorities in spiritual places. So demons, what they wanted to do is they didn't know the manifold wisdom, but what they wanted to do is to work against the manifold wisdom. That's why every time God was um, progressively revealing his manifold wisdom, there was opposition. Remember when Jesus was being born, guess what happened? They tried to kill him. Why? Because they didn't know what the manifold wisdom was going to be like. They just knew that something about Jesus was going to be unique because God was becoming man. Now, demons were trying to work against it. Angels were celebrating it because the one who the cherubim and seraphim worship has now become human, and they're rocked. They're like, how in the world? He was just sitting right there. I mean, he was just sitting right there. Now he a man. Dude's high-fiving in heaven. Like, dang, that's crazy. He took everything we were worshiping into man. I mean, angel, Michael just pacing like, man, Gabriel, we're going to have to talk about this. You know what I'm saying? Because they, they like, this is mind-boggling, right? But but, but guess what? They, Even though they're eternal beings, they don't know everything. So they get to serve God, yet enjoy God's work of revealing himself through his work in our lives. Because what first 1 Peter say? 1 Peter 1.12 says, Then uh, they were shown <coughs> that they were not serving themselves but you. In regard to the, uh, to the things now announced to you through those who proclaim the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit from heaven, things angels long to catch a glimpse of. <sighs> so angels is like, dag. Demons is like, dag. Right? <laughs> And when we get to chapter 6, we're going to see the warfare of this. But what is the specific manifold wisdom? That God took two groups of people who did not know him at all. <laughs> one was legalistic and one was licentious. Bring them into one community under the gospel and call them his. Crazy. And then he goes forth, Paul says, as we close him, he said, this was according <laughs> to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus, not God figured something out in Christ. That's not what it's saying. It's talking about he put forth and bringing to fruition through Christ. Okay? Then it says, in whom we have boldness. I like this. Boldness and access. Boldness means freedom of speech. And access meaning freedom of approach. With confidence. Assurance of being heard. That's what it means. Not necessarily of getting what you want, but you will be heard. <laughs> And then he goes and he says, through him, uh, through our faith in him. So it's by faith. But this is an interesting statement that has me still razzled a little bit. It says, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Now, glory in the New Testament is usually pointed to God. And if it's usually any type of glory to man, it's usually shunned, but here, he said, this is your glory. Now, glory just means honor here, just means honor. This is interesting. Now, w- w- usually, in, when it comes to the glory of man in the New Testament, you always see it in connection with suffering, always. It says in James chapter 1, um, after, after, uh, when it talks about getting wisdom in the trial, it says, let the poor man glory in his high position. Let the rich man glory in his humiliation. So glory is connected to suffering. When you look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, it points to this reality yet again. <clears throat> Paul wants them to identify, with, continue to not let his suffering discourage them, but allow the affirmation of the fact that he shared this truth with them and that they're responding to it to remain faithful to this gospel so that they can continue to walk in the honor and beauty of that gospel. So I pray today <laughs> that we see our purpose. We, that, we, that, we have, that we have as the church, we, we, we have clarity of purpose. We see the central place of the church in, in, in our purpose. And, 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 and that God will grace us by his grace to begin to be shaped by biblical purpose. And by his pursuits and his desires and his passion for us versus our desire to see anything shaped in our image. Remember this and never forget it. Everything in your life. Everything in your life is rigged to make you look like Jesus. Everything. Everything. The thing that you're complaining about that God won't remove, it's him making you look like Jesus. Uh, 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 um, Where you are is not an accident. Everything in your life God used for divine purpose to reveal us as being in Christ but to also to show off who Jesus Christ is. So I pray that we would snack that up, eat it up, swallow it, be nurtured off of it, and allow God's truth to change us. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you and we honor you for the purpose of the church. Um, By divine design, you have have created us um, to honor you and to bless you and to see the central role of our purpose in you. So God, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Wow. In Jesus' mighty name. Um, that 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 you would continue to orchestrate our lives to reflect the beauty and truth of what it means to be in Christ. And God, we're learning so much from you. And we actually we we like learning from you. And and, and and so and so, God, as we grow and as we develop, I pray that. Uh, you would help us to be strengthened in love as a community. I pray that we would be strengthened as a community. That we would be strengthened in service. That we would be strengthened in preaching, teaching, equipping, discipling, um, 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 all of those different missions and evangelism. That all of these things that we would be confirmed in them and strengthened in them. And we're going to co- we're going to continue to commit ourselves to you and walk relentlessly with you no matter what. Just as long as you're empowering us.